Well, good morning again. My name is uh, Carlos, and it's really good to see all of you in Sourton. And good morning to everyone in Quakertown. Um, what I'm really excited about today for you guys is this. We have the Young Guns out today. We have Will, who used to be our worship arts intern. He's leading music up there. And we have Frank, who's our current student ministries intern, dealing with the middle school and high school students up in Quakertown. And he's doing everything that I would do up there on a Sunday. And so just treat them right up there in Quakertown, okay? This is their first time. They're young. Give them grace. And Will and Frank, just be yourselves. I'm sure you guys are doing a great job. So looking forward to seeing you next week. And so we're in the middle of a series that we're calling Get Busy Living. Summer of 2017. Get busy living. And what we've said in this series is this. What we've said is that our desire is to figure out how God wants us to live. If we're to get busy living, we need to figure out what it is that God wants us to do as we're living. To look into the Bible and see not our thoughts, not our ideas, not the way that we feel we should be living, but the way that God wants us to live. And so we're going to look in the book of Psalms and we're going to see this progression in the book of Psalms in one of the chapters. And as we look at that progression... What we're going to see is we're hopefully going to look at and see what it is to, to live the way that God wants us to. So if you have a Bible, here's what you need to do if you've never read the book of Psalms. You need to hold it like this and open it to the middle. Because then you're pretty much more than likely going to be in Psalms. If you don't have a Bible, there are different ways for you to follow along. The verses will be on the screens up here or you can... Take out your phone or your tablet out, and you can go to the Bible app or the Bible Gateway app. Both are great apps for reading the Bible. Or, if you'd like, you can read one of the Bibles we have here at Calvary Church. In Souderton, they're in the seat rack in front of you. In Quakertown, they're on a cart before you enter the room, and if you didn't grab one, just raise your hand and usher will come and bring you a Bible. And whether you're in Quakertown or in Souderton, here's the deal. If you don't own a Bible, take that one home. It's our gift to you. We believe that reading the Bible has the potential to impact your life. So if you don't own one, we want you to own one. Take it home. It's our gift. It's free. If you've never read a Bible and you just kind of want to learn, give us a call and we'll, we'll guide you through that because we want you to be reading it. So we're going to be looking at Psalm 23. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you don't know much of the Bible, you might have heard this chapter at one point. It's kind of one of the most famous chapters in the Bible. It's on coffee mugs. It's on throw rugs. It's, on, it's even on t-shirts. We do a really good job at marketing this psalm. And the reason we do a really good job at marketing this psalm is because it's so rich. 
There's so much depth in this psalm. It's a psalm of comfort. It's a psalm of of instruction on how to live with the Lord being our shepherd. And there's so much in here that we literally could spend an entire series just looking at the first six verses. The entirety of the psalm, just one verse at a time. And today, actually, we're not going to look at the entire psalm. We're only going to look at one verse. One verse. And here's why you should be excited about that. Because since we're only looking at one verse, I'm hoping to end early. (laughs) Unlike Charles. So we're going to look at verse 3. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Before we go into studying that verse, before we go into uh, examining it, I want to go into an understanding of translation. You see, we just read from a Bible that is in the New International Version. That's the Bible that are in the seat racks. That's the Bible that I just read from. But there are different versions. There's a King James Version. There's an English Standard Version. There's different versions and translations of the Bible, and all of them are good, and all of them are correct, and all of them speak truth. But there are different phrases, there are different words that are used as if someone translates it and, and, and for, their pref- for, for what they feel is the right way of saying it, they, they have these little nuances. And as we examine those nuances, as we look at the different nuances between the versions, there's a deeper understanding of what the text says. And so I want to look at a translation written by a man named Robert Alter. Now here's what you need to know about Robert Alter, okay? Robert Alter is not a follower of Jesus. He's not a Christian. But he is one of the best scholars in Hebrew language, Hebrew literature, and Hebrew culture. And so he writes different commentaries on the Bible, and he writes different translations, and he translates this psalm, he translates the book of Psalms as well. And even though I don't agree with everything that Alter says, I appreciate his translation. So let me read for you verse 3, translated by Robert Alter. My life he brings back. He leads me on pathways of justice for his name's sake. My life he brings back. He leads me on pathways of justice for his name's sake. See, I want to chop this verse up into three parts, and and I want to kind of look it over, and I want to kind of taste it and, and savor it and chew on it a little bit so we can understand it. And the first part I want to look at is that first part. My life he brings back. You see, most of the time when we look at this verse, we look at it with the words, he refreshes my soul or he restores my soul. And that's the way that we kind of have learned to to read it if we grew up in the church or if we've heard it before. And that's the kind of ways that some of you have learned how to memorize it. And usually when we look at that, we associate it with verse 2 where there's these quiet waters and green grass. And we think of this refreshing of the soul and this restoration of the soul as this recharging. And, and this passage about this peaceful time, we, we're kind of like by this, this little brook. And the wind is blowing and we feel so recharged. And there's, there's truth in that. There's truth in that. And it brings comfort. But if that's how we're looking at it, and that's the only way we're looking at it, we're missing something. We're missing something. You see, 
Alter says, it's my life he brings back. And then he points out, he goes, actually, a better translation would be, my life breath he brings back. My life breath he brings back. We almost get a picture of someone who has drowned, who is being resuscitated. Someone who has drowned and is having breath poured right back into their lungs, bringing life back into their lungs. This is a picture of someone who was dead and is now alive. And that's very important in regards to Get Busy Living. That's very important in regards to what we're looking at in this series. We need to understand that we were once dead and we are now alive. We need to understand that this life breath, this life that I'm supposed to live, is only around because I was given it by Jesus. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Paul writes a letter to people in the city of Ephesus. And in the book of Ephesians, in the second chapter, a portion of this letter says this. In verse 1 it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. We were dead. You, me, everyone throughout history. When we sinned, when we decided to not do what God wanted us to do or do what God didn't want us to do, we rebelled against God, declaring war on him. And in that act, we become dead. Through sin, we are dead. But, but, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. The shepherd who gives us back our life breath gave up his life breath so that we could have ours. We only get new life because of Jesus. Not because of what we deserve, but because of grace. And here's why that's important. Here's why that's important. Apart from Jesus, we are dead. Apart from Jesus, we are dead. So if you are not with Jesus, then when we say, get busy living, and we start to act according to the things that we learn, we say, hey, that actually sounds good. Actually, that's kind of a, a good way to live. And, and we listen to these different things. Apart from Jesus, we're simply dead men walking. We're just dead men walking. So change in behaviors, change in the ways you act, changes in the way you have your life uh, acted out for others, changes in all those different things are pointless without Jesus. We have to get that. You can't get busy living if you're not alive. And if you're apart from Jesus, then we are dead. But Jesus, the shepherd, gives us his life breath. He gives up his life breath so that we can have our life breath restored. But what is next? I mean, we're given new life. We know that it's coming from Jesus. We know that the shepherd gives us this life breath back. But what's next? I mean, what's the point of it? Okay, now we're alive. What happens after that? Well, let's look to the second part of the, of, of the verse. He leads me on pathways of justice. I'm given new life, and with that new life comes a new path. 
New life brings a new path. You see, prior to that, when I was dead, I walked the opposite direction from Jesus. In fact, I walked as an enemy of God. I walked completely doing not what Jesus was doing. But when life comes back, there needs to be a change in path. New life brings a new path, and so I walk with Jesus. I walk on his path, continuing what Jesus started, continuing his mission. New life must bring a new path. And so I walk the path of Jesus. And what we need to understand about that is this. That is awesome. That is great. We should be filled with joy that now we have life and we walk the path of Jesus. But what we should also understand is that there will be hardship. If you look at the rest of the psalm, you see that there is pain. There are shadows of darkness. There are enemies present. There is very real difficulty on this path of Jesus. It is a good path. It is the path we are meant to follow. It is a path that will bring us joy. It is a path of hope. It is a path of life. But it is not free from hardship. There are very real difficulties. There is very real darkness. And what we need to remember is this. That as we walk that path, we're not alone. We're not alone. When I was in college, freshman year, I remember one time that my dad drove me from New York back to Pennsylvania. And here's the thing about my dad. My dad's a great driver. He's a great driver because he grew up in New York. And if you can survive the taxi cabs of New York, you can survive anything. He's a great driver. And so we were driving back. And as we were driving back, we were on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. A storm erupted. It got super dark, and there were like blankets and sheets of rain just pouring nonstop, and it was crazy, and you had to turn your windshield wipers onto the fastest setting, and you got to actually turn on, everyone was turning on their hazard lights all around because everyone had to slow down. You couldn't see more than five feet, and then hail started to come, and these chunks of ice started to come down. It was, I didn't know what was going on. I'm going to tell you right now. Not only that, there was this crazy wind that happened, and it literally was just pushing the car. And he kept trying to push the car into different lanes. And my dad had to keep adjusting and, and struggling at the wheel as he had to make sure he stayed in his lane as the wind just kind of just threw the car around like a rag doll. And I'm looking all around me. I'm seeing all the hazard lights. I'm seeing the hail and, and the darkness. And I got a little nervous. I was 18. It's okay. I got a little nervous. I got a little anxious. I'm looking around. I'm like, what is going on? This is how it's going to end. On the Pennsylvania Turnpike. And we'll probably have to pay the toll, too. What is going on? And I'm just, like, all scared and everything. And then all of a sudden, I heard a sound. And when I heard this sound, everything changed. And they're all scared, and all of a sudden, I hear, Woohoo! Let's do this! There's my dad just driving with this big smile on his face. I thought he was crazy. But as I'm watching him, and I'm watching him just drive with this expertise and this, this smile on his face, a smile went on my face. Because even though I was in the storm, my dad was driving. And because he was driving, I knew everything was going to be fine. 
You see, sometimes we're on a path and there are storms. And what we need to remember is this. I'm not driving. I'm not driving. And because I'm not the one driving, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And here's what you need to understand when you understand that you're not the one driving. Because, you know, a lot of times I want to be in control. And I want to be the one driving. And so I get all upset in the middle of the storm. I get all upset and when things are going wrong. I get all upset when life just kind of throws everything at me. But because I'm not driving, here's the truth in that. If I'm not driving, I'm also not alone. I'm not alone. And some of you need to hear that today. Because some of you are looking at me and you're like, yeah, that's okay. That's okay when it comes to hail. It's okay when it comes to rain. But you have no clue what I've been through. You know, have no clue what my life's path has been lately. No, I probably don't know you specifically, but I've talked to enough of you to understand that, yeah, there is very real pain. Yeah, I've sat down with a lot of you lately, and I would never want to trade places with you because you're going through a really dark path. And what you need to understand is this. You are not alone. You might feel like you're alone, but that shepherd... That Lord, Jesus, has never left your side, and he's still driving, and he's in control. Don't forget that. You see, even though it might feel like there is this lack of control, it might feel like there's this lack of, of, of just understanding of where we're going, lack of direction. The fact that Jesus is in control, and he is right by your side, and he's never going to leave you can allow for joy and spontaneity, even in the midst of darkness. So stop pumping the brakes imaginary in the passenger seat and trust the one who's driving. So we're on a new path. We've been given new life. The shepherd gives us new life. And with that new life comes a new path. And he never leaves our side. He's always there with us. Why? Why? Why even bother to give us back our life breath? Why even bother to give us a new path to continue the mission that Jesus started? Why even bother to stay with us no matter what? Why? Well, the last part of the verse says this. For his name's sake. For his name's sake. Everything that we go through, our entire life, everything that we do, all of our actions, all of our words, are to bring glory to God. No matter what happens, all that happens throughout humanity brings glory to God. And so we live there, and we think all around that, that this is about us. It's about how great we are. It's not about how great we are. It's about how great God is. It's about how great God is. And it goes countercultural to everything that we hear in society right now. Right? Everything in society tells us about how great we are. Like, the world should revolve around us. I mean, I'm pretty unique. I'm pretty special, right? I'm good stuff. Don't laugh. 
It's the truth. I mean, seriously, right? The world should revolve around me, but here's the truth. None of you care about what I ate for dinner last night. I could post it, but you don't care if it's pork or chicken. And for all of you who are posting it, nobody cares. <laughs> I'm sorry. Right? I mean, we kind of think like everything's about me. And when we think everything's about me and we live that way, we kind of think, well, if everything's about me, then I deserve this and I deserve that. And we kind of want to control the story, want to control the outcome. And when we do that, what that leads to is frustration, bitterness, anger, fear, anxiety. And you know why? Because we're not in control. Because the story's not about us. The story's not about us. This world, this world, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. I'm not the star of the show. Jesus is. I'm not the main character of the story. Jesus is. But that's not how I live all the time, right? I live for the sake of my name, not for the sake of Jesus. And you know, one of the problems that happens with that is not only do I think that the world is about me, is that far too often I think the Bible is about me. I start to read the Bible and I start to read the different stories about David or Joseph or Moses or Paul or Peter and I look at it and I'm like, well, that's about me. Like, I'm going through that and so that clearly is about me and so since that story is about me, I need to be like Moses or I need to be like Joseph or I need to be like David. And that's completely wrong. I don't need to be like Moses. I don't need to be like David. I need to be like Jesus. You see, Jesus is the greater David. Jesus is the greater Moses. Not that they're symbolic of Jesus. These are very real people with very real stories that occurred in history. But their lives, their life story, pointed to the one whom the story is all about. Just like my life, just like your life, just like all of our lives, need to point to the one whom the story is all about. Our lives are meant to glorify Jesus. It is for the sake of the name of Jesus. And so we live our lives pointing to Jesus, and we do that as we try to be like him, as we continue the mission that Jesus started. As we are those clear pictures, we point to him. And if you're like, well, how do you, I, I, I don't know. What is this whole thing about you being like Jesus? I mean, because Charles does it every week. If, you, if you're paying attention, Charles will always point to Jesus. And he'll always say, it is, we are to be like Jesus. But we didn't make it up. First John Chapter 2, verse 6. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. We didn't make it up. It's right there. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So how are we to get busy living? We live as Jesus lived. We're doing this whole series. We're trying to tell you, how are you to act? How are you to get busy living? How is this life supposed to look? You have to live as Jesus did. Not so that we can puff out our chest and be like, look at me. 
Look at me. Look at how great I am. There's Jesus and then there's me. Oh, not to do that, not to pull, puff out your chest. But to pick up your hand and say, look at Jesus. Look at how great he is. Look at how awesome he is. It is for the sake of the name of Jesus. And so we live like Jesus. We are given our life breath back. And with that life breath comes a new path. And we are given it for the sake of the name of Jesus. But what in the world does that look like? If we're to get busy living and we're supposed to live like Jesus, what, what does that look like? How does that work? How am I supposed to live? How am I supposed to live? Well, let's look at live. L, love others. Love others. We live in a society that is telling us over and over that it is about me. It is about the individual. That look out for yourself. Look out for your own desires. Look out for your own wants. Look out for your own dreams. That's not how Jesus lived. He was others focused. He was others focused. He put others before himself. So much so that he put others before himself all the way to a cross. Giving up his life. So that we would have life. Love others. Live an other-focused life. I invite someone. Invite someone. Here's the deal. This one is going to get messy. It's going to get messy. I just want to tell you up front. I don't want to sugarcoat it for you. It's going to get messy. Invite someone into your life. That will be messy. But you know what? Jesus' life was messy too. He invited the man with leprosy into his life. He invited the tax collector into his life. He invited the prostitute into his life. He invited everyone who was pushed out of everyone else's lives he invited them into his life. And he was scorned, and he was judged for it. When you invite someone into your life, it will get messy. But it will also be awesome. So who is it? Who are you inviting into your life? Maybe it's a brother you haven't talked to for a long time. Maybe it's a girlfriend or boyfriend of a son or daughter that you really just don't like. Maybe it's that coworker that you're just like, oh, oh, they annoy me. Maybe it's the weird neighbor. If you don't know what I'm talking about with the weird neighbor, you're probably the weird neighbor. <laughs> don't worry, one of them will invite you into their life. Who is it? Who are you going to invite into your life? And here's what I want you to understand. It's not invite them to dinner. Although that can be a part of it. It's not just accept that friend request. It's not just answer the phone when they call. Those are all parts of it. 
But I didn't ask you to invite someone into a day of your life. I said invite them into your life. That's a commitment, and it's messy. But it's what Jesus did. V, volunteer to meet a need. Volunteer to meet a need. Jesus met needs all over the place. He healed people. He fed them, took, taking away their hunger. He served them, washing feet when no one else would. He volunteered to meet the needs of others. What need do you need to meet? Maybe it's a financial need. Maybe you are aware of someone's financial need and you need to step up and volunteer to meet that need. Maybe it's an emotional need. Maybe you know that someone just needs to talk and it's going to take a long time, but they need to talk to someone and let that out. And so you got to sacrifice some time. Are you going to volunteer to meet that emotional need? Maybe it's a physical need. Maybe it's someone that you know who, you know what, physically they can't get out and do the housework that they used to be able to do. Uh, the grass is getting taller. Maybe you need to go over and do some house chores. Volunteer to meet a need. Maybe it's here. Maybe you need to volunteer here. Last week, Jason was here talking to you in Sourton, and Jen was talking to you in Quakertown, and both of them talked about our next generation ministries, and they talked about our children, and our middle school students, and our high school students, and I want you to understand something. The pain that those children are feeling, and the, the darkness that's happening is getting younger and younger, and more intense and more intense. And so they need you. You might look at them like, yeah, that was really nice, all that stuff about next generation. No. You can change a life. Are you going to step up and volunteer to meet that need? Or are you going to volunteer to meet needs in other areas, whether it's through tech or worship teams or through parking or just greeting people with a smile? Volunteer to meet a need. Don't just be a spectator. Get busy living isn't living on the sidelines. Finally, E. Encourage one another. I almost didn't write this one. I almost just left it at V. I was like, okay, L-I-V sounds like live. We'll be okay. Because I stink at this. You know why I stink at this? Because I'm sarcastic. I grew up in New York. And I like making people laugh. And do you know how we make people laugh in New York? We make fun of you. <laughs> I do it all the time. And I don't mean to be mean-spirited, and I don't mean to tear you apart. It's just what I do. But it's not encouraging. Even though I don't mean to make harm, it's certainly not building people up. We live in such a culture that loves to tear people down. When was the last time I encouraged someone? I mean, really, truly encourage someone, no strings attached, encouraging someone that didn't have something that they could give me in return, just truly encourage someone. When was the last time I texted someone just an encouraging note or saying that I was praying for them? When was the last time I encouraged my wife or my children or my coworker? I mean, really encourage someone. When was the last time? 
Let's stop tearing each other down and encourage one another. You can just smile if you want to. You can pick. You know what you should do? You should walk around this week and just make a commitment that you will smile at five people each day. I'm serious. Just target five people. You have no clue what a smile does for someone who's going through a hard time. A genuine smile, not a creepy smile. <laughs> a genuine smile. Let's encourage one another. Live. L-I-V-E. Love others. Invite someone. Volunteer to meet a need. Encourage each other. My life breath, he brings back. So let's get busy living. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for bringing us back that life breath, giving us back life. Help us to walk the path that comes with that life. Help us to live like Jesus. Lord, when it gets messy, when it gets scary, help us to cling to the fact that you are in control. You have not left us, and we are not alone. Lord, we ask you that as we live, as we get busy living, that our lives will point to you, and that it will bring glory to the name of Jesus. Lord, help us to live like you did, so that others may live. We pray this in the name of Jesus.